This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MQ1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, over the weekend has come and gone and it's fair to say that I think the majority of Dons fans expected to get a bit better than it did. But here we are and we've got a lot to reflect on after that and looking forward to next weekend. So before we get into all of that, I want to introduce the two other lads on the call with me. Ross, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, uh, it's... It was certainly a nice day out in the sun on Saturday, but it's, yeah, as you say, it's a shame about the result. Apart from that, it's just a case of looking forward to this weekend, I guess. Yeah, most definitely. But unfortunately, we did have to spend at least 20 minutes looking at this game. But um, Joe, how about yourself? How are you doing, mate? Yeah, just about getting over Saturday and... Uh... You know, it's, it's uh, the cliche, but there's another one always around the corner and um, I'm sure we'll be getting onto that later on in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a busy August and it feels like we're playing, apart from this week, I think a, a game every week in, in August now moving forward. So it's, uh, you know, in some ways it's, it's a good time to, to they can move on quickly and get on to the next game. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we do have to spend a little time reflecting on it. Um, obviously lost one to Cambridge over the weekend. I think everyone was really excited. You know, last last season, Cambridge Way was quite a, you want to say pivotal part of our campaign. I mean, it didn't exactly play too well, but we won the game and it was sort of a sign that this Don side had showed real resilience. And, you know, that's why they were in the, t- where they were in the table for that reason, was because of, you know, just basically carving out chances and taking them when you got them and, you know, being resilient at the back. But it felt like the, well, in some ways, a bit of bit of the opposites in some senses for this game, losing one 0 and the fact that you know, I think early on we had a chance of Matt Smith hit the hit the bar, didn't count as shot on target, of course. Um, and then after that, we just didn't really create much else. You know, I know Tucker was trying to long ball a lot to Greg and Greg wasn't really getting on to them. And then, you know, a few a few motions from Cambridge makes it one 0 through a pretty good goal from Nibs, to be fair. He was definitely the man of the match. He was looked absolutely fantastic on the pitch and I like to see a bit more Tucker from that personally. I felt defensively he was a bit, a bit lackluster in general, and I think a bit non-committal for the goal. 
Um, and you saw, you saw Louis try to dive in last minute to tackle him, uh, had tackle nibs, and unfortunately didn't get there in time. So yeah, one nil down going about 20 minutes in, I believe it was. And I think after that, especially in the first half, we really didn't do a lot. I think, I think the boys needed half time and Manning was pretty keen to get him into the dressing room also. Of course, McKechnie went off in that first half also, which had no update on his injury, which is a shame. So hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully he's back for Saturday. Um, second half came out, um, played okay. I, I, we had a few chances. I know Bradley Johnson had a one that hit the, sort of not the post, but the back post behind the goal. Um, the new, the new lad came on, which we'll talk about later, um, who was right back for his competition for Lawrence. He came he played, came on and played all right. Um, but apart from that, I was... I say I watched it from a Budapest and a hotel room for two hours, and I wasn't exactly thrilled with my decision. To be honest, it was okay, um, but I think a lot of Don's fans would see they're, they're the only team leading up shot on target in the opening weekend, Joe, and it wasn't exactly the uh, the performance that everyone wanted. No, it's, it certainly was quite disappointing. I think um, it wasn't awful. I mean, that first half, Cambridge just had a bit of pressure on us and, um, yeah, we succumbed to it and and our defence just opened up and I think that's a lot of that's communication between players and that will get better, I think. Um, in terms of going forward, I think we did struggle, but um, I think back to last season, we struggled then as well. So I think it's not necessarily all to put the blame on the new players. But, I mean, one thing I found that was that when Warren and Jack Tucker had the ball, the midfield, you know, the three behind Will Grigg in Nathan Holland, Connor Grant and Dan Kemp, there was no movement whatsoever. And, you know, so when they were getting on the ball, there was no options really. And then, you know, we had some really good moves at times and it was when, you know, McEachran or Lawrence was, uh, McEachran or Smith was showing for the ball and there was a few quick one-twos and all of a sudden we were in. So it shows, you know, there were some moments that were quite positive. Um, I thought Smith was a real plus point. He looked really lively. Um, I thought Greg, you know, he did, did he was so quiet, but that I think was that was the nature of the game. It was such a small pitch. And, you know, you've got to remember, that's probably, I think that's the smallest pitch in the league. We're not going to have another game like that this season you'd like to think um so but you know that as well I think we had uh one two three players in that team that played our last game of the season um and every single player that started for Cambridge was there last season so again that just kind of shows you uh I know I know Liam Manning said he didn't want to use that excuse but that it is a fact as, as it is um in terms of like territory we dominated the territory really but we just couldn't really craft that territory into chances. As I said, first half, I think we went long way too much. Um, second half, it was much better, but we were much more patient, but we just couldn't quite get those goal-scoring opportunities. And, you know, to add to that, we were without probably our maybe our first-choice wing-backs, uh, full-backs in Dan Harvey and Ty Watson, and we're also without our club record signing up front, Mo Issa. So, you know, we, we do have injuries, we will be stronger and, um, you know, we still have that loan spot up for grabs as well. So, you know, there could potentially be some more incomings on that front as well. So, yeah, not great, not horrific, but um, definitely need to see an improvement on Saturday if we're going to be getting a result. Yeah, a lot of really good points there, Joe, that we'll, we'll touch upon throughout the episode, but I wanted to get Ross's general thoughts on it. And it, I think the main thing for me was that, and the annoying thing for me was I don't think Cambridge were particularly good 
but MK weren't exactly brilliant while they were off, let's be honest. Yeah, I was so underwhelmed by the performance. It, as as Joe's just mentioned about us dominating the ball, I don't think we were dominating the ball. I think we were just having the ball for the sake of it. It was a case of Cambridge sitting back and saying, you come on to us and you create your chances. Because at the end of the day, they got their goal early on and they we knew exactly what they were going to do. And I just didn't think the intensity was there. And especially in that first half, that first half was poor. And... Um, Maybe maybe you could question a few things in the, in the starting lineup, but then again, it's the first game of the season, and you take a bit of a pinch of salt. But I, yeah, as I say, I walked out that ground on Saturday, and I really thought um, about the obviously the optimism before the game and this and that. And um, I was thinking um, about the senior figures in the team. I know McEachran went off, but Louis and Grigg, I thought they would have a bit more impact in in the game and. Tell it, tell the youngs, the younger players to play with a bit of freedom, and um, we didn't really see much of that uh, in my eyes. And the, this uh, pumping it up long to Will Grigg it just doesn't work, and it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to realise that either. He's what five nine, and you're pumping it to a six foot four centre half. Ninety five percent of the time, centre half's going to win unless that five percent of the time it's it's a mistake from the centre half. So yeah, overall, I really, I, for some for some reason, um, it just didn't work out, and um, Cambridge made it made it very hard. But in the same breath, we didn't really um, make it hard for Cambridge. So uh, yeah, it's certainly things to improve on. But then again, it's all these young players. It's it's very much raw talent at, at the end of the day, and it's just a case of uh, trying to blend them in the squad and uh, getting the best out of them. Yeah, I think of the, I mean, it depends what you class as a long ball. Of the 27 long balls that Turka and Ahura actually played in the day, despite the action numbers, I think two actually worked out of all of them, which is a pretty crazy rate. Obviously, the first one being right at the start of the game where Greg Chess sit down, goes up to Holland. Um, I think it was McKeck who played the ball into Smith who hits the bar. And then the other one was when Grant's running in from a Tucker long ball in the second half, which wasn't a penalty, by the way. But... Yeah, the, the the actual I said Ross, the actual drive was there and the intensity was there. He's a bit unlucky, quite frankly, that the defender was there to push him off. But I think to have two out of twenty-seven long balls technically have a real impact on the game. And I just kind of echoes your point that maybe they didn't work, or maybe they just Greg isn't used to that style of play yet. Um and bear in mind he did miss a significant part of training um with the with the team when he was not on Ireland, but also not with the club at the same time. So yeah, it felt like um, we should have really, well, I maybe I also, and some of the fans, we should have tempered down our expectations on the team in general, especially for this first week where we're playing a team like Cambridge, who, as Joe said, you know, a lot of the players, well, all the players there played against us last season and they know how we play football. And um, yeah, the number ones, basically. Um, I wanted to mention the right hand side of the pitch. I know I think out of all the all the points that I saw from after the game, I think Henry Lawrence and Dan Kemp probably got the most criticism out of out of all of them. Um and I know that I hate harping back to preseason games, but I feel like this is a bit of an important point to mention here in that me and Joe sat to pretty much the whole game for the Barnet game and we I think we saw Kemp and Lawrence actually work quite well. Um, on that right-hand side, and I guess it's pre-season, yes, it's against a non-league Barnet team, but I think the point still stands that 
you know, Kemp was actually making decent runs and Lawrence was actually cutting behind him, making that width. And yeah, it was, I think it was fairly easy comment to say that Lawrence was the most impressive player in that on that pitch when he was on the pitch um, against Barnett. So um, Joe, I'm just get your thoughts on what went wrong between Kemp and Lawrence. Now you mentioned movement in general, but was Lawrence, did the occasion get too much for Lawrence or was it other things like that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, Kemp, he, he had 38 touches. Um, in terms of his passing, he, 19 out of his 21 passes were accurate, but he lost possession 13 times. So to me, that tells me he's just been dispossessed in, in possession and he's losing his jewels. He, he won two out of his seven jewels, um, did Dan Kemp. So to me, that just kind of shows, yeah, he's just been out-muscled, really. Um, Kemp did have four attempted crosses as well. None of them reached an MK Dons player. So perhaps just not as effective as he as he could be in that final third. Um, and then with Lawrence, I don't really actually think Lawrence was that bad. I think he, he got into a few good positions and um, down the right-hand side. And again, the cross, the delivery just wasn't really there. Um, I actually, I, I really, I, if anything, I've just said Holland, Holland really disappointed me. I think he was really quiet. And there was a 50-50 where he just completely bottled it against Louis. That really, I know, well, got some fans up the wrong way. Um, but, I mean, you know, there was a few times where Holland did look dangerous. But on the whole, he, you know, he, he completed 14 passes in the match. And it's just just a bit quiet. You know, I, I look at our, the, the, the three in general that were behind the striker. And, you know, Conor Grant, you know, the number 10, he completed 17 passes in the whole match. And you're thinking, you know, this is your number 10 who's going to be dictating the tempo and, you know, playing off, playing off, um, you know, players and and trying to get the ball up the pitch. And he, he completed 17 passes. And I think, you know, you think back to, say, the Twines, the O'Reilly's, the, the players we've had in the past in those attacking areas, you know, they're involved in the play. They're involved in the moves, even if it's coming deep, playing the ball off and then running to make space. Whereas a lot of the time it just felt like, you know, Ahura, Tucker, Smith and McEachran were kind of just passing it between themselves because there was no one, you know, Kemp, Grant and Holland. It just didn't seem like they were free enough at the time. Now, whether, it's, it's that, whether they've been told to stay wide or stay high, you know, we don't know, but, it was a real shame to not see that front, that free behind Greg make an impact at all, really. Yeah, I want to have a chat about Grant, but we'll, we'll save it for before I get Ross's thoughts on, on Kemper Lawrence. So obviously, Ross, you, you're coming into this with a fresh perspective, not seeing too much of either of these players, really. I mean, you might have seen a bit of um, of Kemp against Rushton, but what what were your thoughts overall from the pair? I know, I know they picked up a lot of flack on socials over the weekend. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised to see that um, Kemp starting. To be honest, I thought he would have went um, Daryl Burns. That's that, that's who I would have started, and um, or Barry. Um, who bear in mind when he did come on, he looked very lively. Um, but just going back on Lawrence and Kemp, every time I was watching Kemp, he was always getting in someone's way, and I don't know whether it was just his positioning, but if Lawrence was uh, running down the wing, Kemp would follow, and he was like. He, he didn't really have trust in Lawrence. And um, whether it's just obviously because of the lack of game time they've had together or what, um, Kemp's kind of playing the safe pass as such, uh, being the safe man as such um, for Lawrence when taking the pass. But yeah, it just always felt that Kemp was never will, willing to take that risk um, when when going forward. And especially 
as Joe, Joe just mentioned about the the three behind Greek, you, you need these sort of players to take risks. And yeah, granted, if these risks don't work, um, then fair enough, when the ball gets intercepted. But if he's not willing to take risks and um, he's playing it safe all the time, well, that means no opportunities are, are being created at the end of the day. And I just felt whenever I was watching Kemp and Lawrence, they were just heading in the same direction together. And um, yeah, they weren't, well, I, I didn't think they were on the same wavelength. And um, it'd be interesting to see whether Kemp actually starts, obviously, heading into the Wednesday clash. Yeah, it is interesting. And obviously, we'll go into lineups later on. But I, I do think Kemp will start. Um, I just feel that Manning really, he's, I think I think Kemp's a bit more pivotal than people think he actually is. Um, whenever we, whenever Manning speaks about Kemp, it's always in a way that he's sort of dictating the system in some senses that Manning wants, and he sort of allows versatility. Whereas a player like Dara, in particular, comes onto the pitch and is very much you know running cutthroat, direct, running at you. You know, he's obviously he's a really good player, wonderful left foot. So whether whether you take a more direct approach against certain teams, whereas I think Manning secretly knew that Cambridge were going to sit back and you know potentially just be a bit of shit house quite frankly and if they did score early just not really go for it and in an ideal world Kemp and Lawrence like we saw against Barnett would be a bit a lot more direct and you know Kemp would drift in Lawrence would bomb down the wing and put in some decent crosses like he did against uh, Barnett but he didn't he was pretty poor on the ball for me, me personally um I think he panicked a lot um I know the, the Brentford Adokioki came on and I thought he was less panicky. I thought he's a bit more, uh, you know, he was, for me, he had a bit more composure about him considering he hadn't played too much league football compared to Lawrence. It's, uh, it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, while we're on, we're on topic of it, what do you think of the new lad from Brentford? I'm not to say his name because I'll probably butcher it, but um, obviously he came in after we recorded, but he only had a few days with a squad. But he seemed to be a player who Ross had a bit of a free will about him and not too much instruction, just go onto the pitch and get creative. Yeah, he, he he was probably something we lacked um, earlier on in the game. And I just mentioned it with Kemp about taking the risk. He backed himself um, down that right-hand side and he was willing to take on his man. And if he did get... And a lot of the time when when, when Holland did beat his man, and he, he didn't have many opportunities um, where he did beat his man, that he'd cross the ball and he'd keep it along the floor. And that's something you need when you're at Grigg. Because I mentioned it earlier, he's not the tallest of players, so he's not going to score a lot of headed goals. So you've got to keep the ball in on, on the floor, for example. And um, yeah, he, he seemed um, very athletic. Um, he's got that tackle. Um, I think you mentioned <laughs> in our group chat, but that tackle, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know who it was on, but it was a very poor challenge. Oh, absolutely <laughs> um, beautiful. But it's it's one you look at at the end of the season, you probably clap. <laughs> um, if Obviously, if, if the bloke isn't injured. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a poor challenge. Um, but other than that, I, f- I felt that it was a very solid debut. Um, and I probably questioned um, whether he's in line to start Saturday. It's an interesting question. Um, Joe, what, what are your thoughts on that? And what, what did you think to begin against Cambridge on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's, it's e- you know, not, not saying it's um, easy, but it's, it is different starting a game to coming off the bench. Um, especially with players like Dara and uh, Oyagoke, you know, it's very much a case of 
you know, they're there to make an impact. They've got nothing to lose sort of thing. Whereas I think you say, you know, someone like Kemp, yeah, maybe he was there more for building up and almost where, the, like, I think um, in the women's Euros, we've seen um, the Ellen White, she's not necessarily a really physical presence, but she'll just be there grinding away at the defenders. And then people like Russo and Toon have been coming on and just getting stuck in and really making an impact. And I think, you know, Oyegoke and um, Burns, they're the sort of players that can make those really high impacts. So I think, you know, their, their abilities might be negated. You know, it's like when we used to bring Chucks off the bench in League Two. Um, so, Prime so Tisdale. Say, yeah. So you could say, I mean, you could look at it from that point of view, I guess. But yeah, it, he, he did well. He did well. Um, he put five crosses in. Again, none of them did reach an MK Don's player. So, you know, Lawrence and Oyegoke were putting balls in. Um, just unfortunately, nothing actually fell to the striker. And, you know, we know Grig. That's not because of movement. I think that's just more just down to delivery. And, but also, you know, knowing your teammates, you know, Oyegoke has been in the building for what, a matter of a week. So I'm sure stuff, something like that, it's only going to improve. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so hard to just think what to actually, it's so hard to kind of gauge what to actually think because an away game at, Cambridge is is so unlike pretty much all other games in the league. You know, the 23 games at Stadium MK can be played on the biggest pitch in the league that's, you know, out, you know, it's all spread out and it actually looks like a good pitch this year. Um, you know, it's going to be good football and it's going to be big and this game's going to be stretched. Whereas at Cambridge, you know, that was the only game where we did a long throw into the box, which we actually scored from, by the way. So it's, it's, it's so hard to actually gauge what you know take meaningful conclusions from that Cambridge game so for me I'm kind of I'm I'm not wanting to speculate too much because I think that the Sheffield Wednesday game is going to be a completely different game yeah yeah most definitely and it's, I mean to, to if it means anything to anyone you know Cambridge has been Millwall also Millwall uh, had a brilliant opening day again um, in, in their championship season and they've gone to Cambridge and lost and also. even Cambridge's full team as well I'd say Millwall had a stronger team out than what Cambridge did yeah yeah so like Cambridge rested yeah. a few players so, yeah so I mean there you go so I think it just shows that you know we, we spoke about our preview the lack of the lack of transition in that Cambridge team really on, on the whole and it's clearly you know, they're going to start off early, going to start well early because of that. And those two results clearly indicate that. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned. And, you know, the two right backs, I think we've got two decent players there. I've seen two decent performances in both of them. Obviously, it's game one out of game 46. So, uh, you know, it's it's a long way to go yet. Um, I suppose I suppose one one player we'll, we'll finish off on this before we move on to potentially looking at Wednesday is, uh, is Connor Grant. Now, I know you mentioned about the all the long balls that we played and some of them weren't really well, most of them weren't effective, some were. And ultimately, you know, when you're playing in the 10, uh, a long ball football in some senses isn't exactly going to favor you when you're in the pocket and you're trying to play passes through the channels. So for me, I I understand the lack of me, the lack of movement from Grant in the game, but Ross, I just want to get your thoughts on. You know, if we're going to play with this four-two-three-one, are we going to need to keep the ball more playing through the channels like we did last season, where Grant can actually have the ball at his feet as opposed to relying on Greg to like chest it down, him running onto it? Yeah, I, th- I think obviously with the three at the back, you obviously you allow more space out wide, and you rely heavily on the wing backs. But when you play four at the back, 
I think we saw there's an element of um, you you've got to play through through the channel through the channels and you require a lot of movement in that middle of the park, um, and obviously. It's easy to blame Grant because he's number ten and he's he's supposed to be the playmaker of his team and you can you can say what you want but if and this this is what I, I alluded to back earlier um, in the case of like Warren O'Hara last season he'd he'd bring the ball out from the back and he'd have some courage and he'd love to bring the ball out the back and uh, play that that brave pass but um, on, especially on Saturday I just felt he was just pumping it long so too much and yeah you can blame obviously there was no movement in the middle of the park but at the end of the day if, if other players aren't made, playing to your strengths and we'll probably talk talk about this in weeks to come about playing to certain people's strengths um, it's a case of well if Manning if Manning can't, can't see it working on the pitch especially on four he's got to change the formation and you, could, you probably can question Manning at the weekend and say well look you saw it weren't working for 60 minutes, but how come he didn't uh, try and change it up? But in the same breath, he did bring on Dennis, Barry and all these subs. So they had their chance, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. I say, I, I, I know I know it's important to be made, but I think change the system 61 minutes into, into the start of the season is a bit of a ridiculous thing. But um, No, but Manning mentioned pre-season that we'd, we'd off, um, switch between the five and the three. Three depended on what scenario we were in the game. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So having having that flexibility when Cambridge are willing to sit in their own half, eleven men behind the ball, they're taking they're taking three points. You, obviously, you've got to take that risk. Yeah, you're not wrong, enough, but you'd like to feel that bringing on you know two direct lads in, in Barry and Burns, and then having a bit more physical than Dennis, you'd like to think that would change up a bit. Obviously, didn't. Um, Joe back. Back to Grant, um, I know you mentioned a lot about him. I think did the injuries Josh McEachern change a lot? Because I know I know Grant and McEachern had a lot of a lot of playing time this preseason, and Bradley Johnson came in pretty late. He played like thirty minutes against Barnet, I believe. Um, obviously, he was on the bench, came on for McEachern's injury. Do you think that that didn't that help? I guess it didn't help his cause overall for you. Well, if anything, as a team, we were better after McEachran went off. But I think that more coincided with half-time rather than McEachran going off. Um, so I don't think I don't think that's had anything to do with it. I just think it was... <clears throat> you look at Harvey Nibs. You know, Harvey Nibs was there, number 10, and he barely touched the ball. But when he did, he was explosive and he just got forward. And, you know, we know Grant's not that tall type of player. Grant is more of a sort of turning in tight spaces. And when he did get... Well, not even turning in tight spaces because the one time Grant received the ball and there was a bit of space, you know, he managed to sort of poke it past the goalkeeper, cause a bit of panic, and he actually showed a bit of quality there. Um, so I think it's more, I think I think with someone like Grant, he's one of them that he's quite silky, but he's not like a futsal player. He can't play, he, you know, if, if you're going to have three people surrounding him at all times, because, you know, they played a 4-2-3-1 as well. So I think having their two defensive midfielders just on him at all times, you know, that wouldn't have helped either. So I think, you know, with a different system, playing a team with a different system, et cetera, I think that's when maybe it opens up, um, opens up a little bit and we can maybe just see him, you know, with a bit more time on the ball because 
uh, the only players that had time on the ball were our back six, really. Um, but then that's where my point about how you know players weren't really coming deeper to get the ball. That's that's where you know what I mean with my point about that. Yeah, most definitely. And um, speaking of new systems, we are sure to get a new system from our opponents on Saturday, Sheffield Wednesday. Okay, so after a uh, pretty disappointing open day to season, the Dons were looking to bounce back against Sheffield Wednesday at home in the home opener at Stadium MK. So, obviously, this game last season was a Sky Sports feature, um, and it was another pretty disappointing performance. I'm sure the boys have looked to bounce back from this one, despite it being a you know fairly new group. So, um, in terms of Sheffield Wednesday, um, Joe, did you want to take us through some of your thoughts on Wednesday? Yeah, so, um, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, they had a really strong end to last season. Um, I think it was only, I think it was us, them and Ipswich for the top three teams for the second half of last season. Um, after a pretty average opening to the season and they ended up finishing the season just four points behind ourselves in um, in fourth place they finished. Um, so, yeah, really strong finish there to the season. Um, they scored 78 goals, the exact same as us conceded 50. Their summer has been... Very, very eye-opening, to, to say the least. Uh, signing Akin from uh, on uh, from Norwich, who has been previously been at uh, Charlton. Will Volks from Cardiff, who, let's face it, is probably he's a championship midfielder. Um, Michael Smith um, from last season's championship, uh, last season's League One winning team, Rotherham, uh, the striker. Michael Hwikwe also. Uh, winning um, the title with Rotherham, uh, or oh, so they came second, didn't they? Yeah. Going up with Rotherham, but both of them in last year's team of the season uh, for League One. Um, you've got Ben Hennigan from a pub team that's no longer in our league. Um, mm-hmm. David Stockdale, um, who was, I think, will be best. Well, I don't know whether best remembered is the word, but he's the Wickham goalkeeper, which, um, yeah, I think spent more time on his ass than he did. Um, Anything else? I'm sure we'll get a lovely reception um, at Stadium MK. He's a cracking goalkeeper, you've got to say. Um, Tyreek Bakinson, he was on loan at Ipswich the second half of last season. He's coming from Bristol City, so again, a very solid player. And then um, Reese James, um, the le- a left-back from Blackpool as well, on loan. So that is just stacks of... I mean, Bar Akin um, all of those players are pretty much, you know, 28, 30, 29, 28, 36, 28. And then you've got two 23-year-olds thrown in there. That That is League One League One and Championship experience. They're signing players that have been there and done it in League One. And out of players that they've lost, they've only really lost Sam Hutchinson, Shea Dunkley, Mendes Liang and uh, Luongo. So, you know, they weren't play- necessarily key players for them last season. So they've still you know, managed to retain pretty much their most important players from last season. They've also got Josh Windass back, who was uh, plagued with injuries last season. Um, and Saturday saw them play out a pretty entertaining three-all draw with um, Portsmouth. Um, they lined up with um, Stockdale, Hunt, Iorfa, Hennigan, Hilwickwe and Marvin Johnson in midfield. And this is where it just gets... The, the, their midfield for me is probably the best in the league. Um, you've got Barry Bannon, I don't really need to expand on much more from him. Um, Delhi Bashiru, who's just an all-action, combative midfielder. George Byers, who's just a very technical midfielder. Um, Lee Gregory and Josh Windass. So they were able to bring Will Volks and Michael Smith off the bench, which, quite frankly, is ridiculous. Um, 
And so, yeah, in that game, actually, um, Portsmouth created more chances in terms of XG. Portsmouth had 16 shots. Um, oh, sorry, Portsmouth had five shots, but they're very high value chances. Um, so maybe just something to watch out for that, you know, they can be got at. Um, they can be got at. Um, but another thing as well is Sheffield Wednesday, they had uh, six shots from set pieces at the weekend. So, you know, again, they're going to be really strong at set pieces. I remember Shay Dunkley, I think it was having two or three big headers against us last season, big chances against us last season at the away game at Hillsborough. Um, and But yes, you know, they also did concede a few chances as well, as I said, Sheffield Wednesday. So they're not totally impregnable. You'd have to say if there was a weakness, it's perhaps um, maybe a little bit of pace in that back line. Um, they've got some really quality players and, you know, some af real athletes in that midfield. But, you know, there might be just, if, if you get in behind them, that might be where you can hurt them. And I think with um, not, um, Portsmouth were actually playing a 4-4-2. So they were playing with wingers. And I think that's what, you know, may have caused some issues for, for Sheffield Wednesday. So a very good team. I've got them down for favourites in the league. But, you know, they're certainly not invincible, that's for sure. Yeah, just finishing the points based off all that. And thanks, Joe, for that insight. Um, obviously, Lee, Lee Gregory started against Portsmouth. is suspended for this game, got sent off. So, no Lee Gregory, which likely means it'll be uh, the three-five-two with Smith and Windass up front. So, I'm oh, not exactly... we'll just have to face Michael Smith. Yeah, I'm not exactly, uh, not exactly much easier. to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no Dennis Heller Ryan, he's still injured apparently. Uh, no Callum Patterson, who's long-term out injured and... The guy who got the brace, uh, Daly Bashir, who actually went off injured against Pompey with a groin injury. Um, there seems to be mixed reports of his availability for this game. Some people say he's in back for the, our game. Some people say he's out for a lot more longer term. So we'll wait on uh, Darren Moore's thoughts on that. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think the general theme for this Wednesday team this season, a bit like um, a bit like us sometimes, was that they're trying to take the pressure off Barry Bannon and his role and responsibility in this team. I think, like, you know, I said with the brace from Bashiru um, last game, it's Pompey kind of outlines that quite well. Uh, despite his injury, you know, the players that they've got, you know, Byers, as Joe mentioned, a very technical player who is a bit mistake prone, but he has more eights than he does twos in terms of performances. So that's always good in the midfield. Um, I think some points that some Wednesday um, content creators are mentioning from that Pompey game was that they were pretty poor from crosses and set pieces in general. Um, I know I author was pointed out a lot in that right centre back role as a player who didn't have the best opening day. Um, and I know it was at fault for a lot of a lot of errors in that game, especially Cole Bishop's goal. Um, so yeah, they've definitely got some weaknesses. Um, I think it's fair to say they had a, a a pretty good opening day despite the result. Um, they're just conceding a lot of terrible goals, which if you watched any of Don's last season would sound pretty familiar. Um, so yeah, out of all of that, Ross, is there anything else you'd like to mention regarding Wednesday that you've seen? No, just just the fact that obviously Joe mentioned that the, the the quality they do hold in the squad, but it's a chance for these younger lads, as as we mentioned earlier, to come out and play their own stuff, bigger pitch, and um, not be scared of the occasion. So I can imagine that a lot of these play these younger players, especially. I know, obviously, I believe there's six thousand Wednesday fans coming along. It's probably going to be one of one of their biggest crowds that they're playing in front of, so it would be a case of just rising to the occasion and um, just hoping that the, our quality pays dividend. 
Yeah, so they've um say in the starting to their face last last game it's Bishop and Piggott, you know, they're both really quite physical strikers who can give them a rough time. So coming up against Will Gregory is very much a different striker. It's gonna be, I think, the case of us, you know, trying to play to our strengths and not try and battle them. And I mean it'll be hard, but hopefully try and get a hold of that midfield free, um, which is gonna be an easier job said than done. Um, Joe, any other thoughts we get second to our lineups for this game? No, I was thinking as we do our lineups, if we go through and we say each say how many changes we've made from the okay. Cambridge oh, team. Joe, I can barely remember what I had for dinner just an hour ago, <laughs> let alone how many changes. Um, okay. Right, what well, I'll, I'll read off the um what I'll do is for you, Ross, I'll make it easy for you. I'll read off the starting lineup from the Cambridge game, unfortunately. And um I'll you can judge it off that. So obviously we had coming in goal. Uh, the back four was Louis, Tucker, Was, and Henry Lawrence. Midfield two of Smith and McEachran. And so I think there'll be at least one change there. Um, front three of, sorry, front four of Holland, Grant, Kemp, and then Will Grigg up front. That was a starting 11. I've gone for four changes. Okay. So I, my first change is I'm bringing in Oyegoke for. Lawrence, I think um, against this Wednesday team, a bit of pace down that side. I think we said before, Lawrence very much seems a bit more technical. Um, so I think that that extra bit of physicality and, and athleticism will really help, especially, you know, when defending as well, I think. Um, so I've gone for him on the right. Um, in midfield, I've gone for Johnson. I, I would 100% start McEachran if he's fit, but I'm just saying, I just think it might be Johnson that um, is the change. Um, and then I've brought in Dara Burns and Louis Barry for the winging, excuse me, for the wingers um, in place of Nathan Holland and Dan Kemp. I just feel like they're more impactful players and with a bit more space, you know, to get in behind. I think that's where, you know, we could really have some joy. Okay, I think all, all pretty sensible changes there. Ross, what's the one change you haven't got from Joe's if they are the same? Did he say Robson? No. So he had no Johnson. Oh, Johnson, that's my change. I think Robson last year, um, especially um, obviously in his loan spell, he's he was very um, athletic and he'd do the do do the heart, uh, the easy parts very well. And I think sometimes you take that for granted in in some uh, footballing sides. And I think Robson um, will come in. Um, the only reason why I don't say Johnson is obviously the lack of game time he's had um, previously. True. Um, he's probably had it had about what 30 minute spells at a time and I just feel Robson he'll probably have about 60 minutes in him and then I think we will introduce Johnson late on um, uh, if we are chasing the game or if we're ahead to control the game um, but yeah that's my my only other change so what was your because, sorry go on, what was your other two so you, did you have the right uh, back Burns, change Burns and Barry oh so you kept Lawrence okay interesting interesting yeah. yes uh, okay, so my, my two changes from the Cambridge on it was that I I did Johnson for McEachran. Um, I just feel that if he does... Robson, for me, is a more impactful player than Johnson would be if you were thinking about the 60th minute. Um, ho- in an ideal world, hopefully, we're, we're winning or at least in a position where we can win. So Robson comes on to be a bit more of a batter in midfield. Whereas you'd like to think Johnson would have a bit more build-up play in his passing and can dictate play a bit more of his physicality. Um, which you'd like to think would grow more and more as he gets more minutes. Um, so, yeah, I've gone Johnson uh, with McEachran. In my opinion, he's injured as I'm making this team. Um, and then, yeah, I've gone Barry over Holland. Um, I think the only reason Barry didn't start against Cambridge was purely because of minutes. 
Um, obviously, he went off with illness against Barnet, and you know, the, when he did play, he was fantastic. Um, and again, against Cambridge, the glimpses we saw, he looked pretty good also. So, yeah, I think in terms of how further down the line he is, I think Barry's just benefiting more from just the more minutes he's had with with Villa and with um, us in some senses. So, yeah, I think I think Barry um, on that left hand side makes a bit more sense in Holland at the moment. So, yeah, my two changes from the team from Cambridge would be. Johnson and Barry in for McEachern and Holland. So in terms of score, boys, obviously we'll we'll, we'll come to a predicted lineup um, later on, which you guys will see on socials once we release this episode. But in terms of scores, obviously you'd like to think that Don's get their first points of season this one. You'd hope anyway. Do you think it'll actually happen, Ross? It's a bit of a weird one because our home form last year was actually really good, um, and against against these big sides, um, obviously apart from when Sky TV came to town. Um, it was actually really strong. Um, but I don't feel like we're going to win this game for some reason. I, f- I do feel um, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, obviously travelling fans, and we know how it normally goes when a big crowd come to our place. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a one all. but I was just looking at Bet365 and Michael Smith's 2-1 to one to score. I mean... That's easy money, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to, to back against us, but when when you're throwing odds like that about, I mean, two to one for Michael Smith to score is a, pretty much a banker, surely. I mean, unless Jack Tucker um, can get a bit of physicality into his game for this one, yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly a bad shout in my opinion at the moment. Um, but no, hopefully he does, and hopefully he tries much better defensive performance he did against Cambridge. Uh, Joe, a score prediction for Saturday, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm also going for a one-all. Um, I can actually see us going behind, maybe a slow start again, because that's really, we, we you know, after we, we had a great 30 seconds against Cambridge and then it was just, you know, a really slow first half. But, we you know, we grew into it. So I think it's going to be something similar to that. So I think we're going to concede in the first half, score in the second and huff and puff, but just not quite have enough in the end. But... Um, I'm definitely thinking no matter what the result, that it will be a better performance, even though it is against a much, you know, supposedly better team. I, I do think we'll be, we will be much better and we'll be pleased with the performance. Yeah, after getting the uh, Cambridge score severely wrong last episode, uh, I'm going to go for draw also. And I'm playing I'll, I'll, Just on that, by the way, I think I was the only one who like erred on the side of caution and went for like a one goal win. And you, uh, with, with, with your threes and your fours and all this, you know, ridiculous. I Just know. A bit of respect for them. Wow. <laughs> respect for the elderly. <laughs> respect Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. I've mid-table anyway. It's fine. It's fine. But no, I, I do think it'll be 1-1 um, also. Um, I just feel that, yeah, listen, Wednesday are playing well, but as as the the guys that deal with Wednesday, watch Wednesday week in, week out, they are conceding crap goals and... I think we we will we just need to score a crap goal just to get it over the way with and whether that, I don't care who that comes from who scores it just get that first goal and I think we'll be fine. I don't if think you we'll had to choose who it. scored it though. Who do you, who do you choose? Um, probably Dara. I'd say someone like Grant. I feel like a goal could really like just get them, you know, feeling ten foot tall sort of thing. Well, I just think if Dara scores, it gives Manning a lot to think about on that right hand side. Because I, I do think he is like big on Kemp personally. Uh, obviously, I could be completely wrong um, in terms of how what system he wants to play. But obviously, yeah, he signed Dara for that. He, he signed Dara to 
in my opinion, be a big impact player in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, you know, if you think if Dara scores, it gives him a lot to think about, it gives him a headache. And I think on the other end of the pitch, there's a bit more certainty who plays where, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's what I pick. Um, but yeah, I think Wednesday are playing all right. They're, they're creating a lot of chances. Um, and as Joe said, we'll play better than last time. It, we, we have to, really. If we, if we don't play better than against Cambridge, we're in, uh, I think, kicking that off as a home, opening home game of the season will not go down well at all. So they've got much of a choice. But yeah, it's more it's more hope that we'll, we'll get uh, I'll get a point here and we can go into the Ipswich game, another tough game. Uh, the following Saturday and of course certain in the midweek with a bit of momentum okay well thank you for listening to this episode of the Income Podcast I know season tickets some people still haven't got them I know some people have got them I've got mine uh, I think Ross has got his uh, Joe have you got yours I've got mine yeah got physical copy came in the post obviously check as well you haven't got digital ones in your emails and stuff because I know some people will be having sent a digital one and they might not realise it's a digital one um, so that's just something to bear in mind as well yeah, it could also be on your like um, ticketing account on the website also. So yeah, it could yeah. be anywhere. It could be in my multiple places, but hopefully you got a ticket for Saturday at the very least. And yeah, uh... yeah I think I've had seven or eight arrived. But <laughs> I'll see. I'll see you on eBay, believe it or not, for this season. <laughs> oh, so uh, say all that if you will. Yeah, I'll, let you know, already, I'll let you know. I'll let you know after Saturday. We've not even had a home game yet, and then <laughs> people have had enough. It's not that bad. No, it's not. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a lot of you there on Saturday. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, it's a good performance. That's, that's all we can hope for at this point. The, the right, the wrongs of last Saturday. Uh, but until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.